Good morning, Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm Douglas Simpoga in Washington. Today is Monday, March 20th. Here are some stories we are covering this morning. The Speaker of Uganda's Parliament dies in the United States after a long illness. There has always been a challenge of uh, small arms and light weapons um, in the Horn of Africa region. The place is awash uh, with um, illegal arms, particularly the AK-47 and pistols. Um, The reason for that has been the conflict in the region. A meeting opens in Nairobi today to evaluate the progress made in the last two decades since the signing of the Nairobi Declaration to curb the flow of illicit arms and light weapons in Africa. We have seen what is happening currently in China and uh, the risk of having also new uh, mutations and new variants is quite uh, uh, still possible. So we do really need to continue, I mean, to uh, safeguard our population, you know, by really taking the vaccine and also by not uh, relaxing totally with the situation might change. And The World Health Organization says Africa's COVID-19 vaccine use rose between January and February as several countries embarked on mass vaccination drives to expand coverage and protect populations from the pandemic. Kenya and other member states of the regional center on small arms and light weapons meet today Monday in the Kenyan capital. They will evaluate progress made since the signing of the Nairobi Declaration to curb the flow of illicit weapons in the Great Lakes region and the Horn of Africa. A report by Amnesty International says the United Nations embargo on firearms in the region continues to be broken as the implementation of critical security, governance and accountability arrangements are delayed. Maureen Ojambo reports. It's been over two decades since the declaration was signed and the sale of illicit weapons continues to fuel violence in many countries in the region, including Kenya, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Ethiopia, South Sudan and Somalia. Today's meeting comes at a time when the East Africa is experiencing inflows of small arms from Yemen through Somalia. Arms heading for Libya are also flowing through Sudan and South Sudan and finding their ways as well to Kenya and Uganda. Security analyst Mustafa Ali says weapons often find their way into multiple countries because of lack of border controls. There has always been a challenge of uh, small arms and light weapons um, in the Horn of Africa region. The place is awash uh, with um, illegal arms, particularly the AK-47 and pistols. Um, The reason for that has been the conflict in the region. One of the ways to address the um, availability of uh, small arms and light weapons is to carefully look at the supply and demand why is it that communities want to own these weapons? Then it becomes easier to address the challenge. An earlier investigation by Amnesty International in the Horn of Africa revealed the presence of newly imported small arms and ammunition and the diversion of armored vehicles for military use which have not been approved under the transfer license. As the meeting aims at establishing the milestones achieved so far, East African countries are experiencing military coups armed struggles, violent crime, extremism, and community conflict. The Horn of Africa is sandwiched by conflict systems uh, of the Sahel region where terrorist groups, where traffickers, criminal groups, 
are always uh, having these weapons and are supplying and trafficking these weapons to really reduce uh, the availability of these uh, small arms. There is need to address conflicts and violence and wars in the surrounding areas, the countries that are in vicious cycles of conflict. The Kenyan government is on high alert to ensure there are no flows of illicit arms into the country from Mozambique, South Sudan, Somalia and Ethiopia. At the moment, the country is facing community fights in the counties of West Pokot, Baringo and Elgeo Marakwet. This as the government grapples to cool the conflict that has been sustained through the sale of illicit weapons. Last year, President Uhuru Kenyatta presided over the burning of more than 5,000 illegal firearms in Kenya. And I therefore call upon all our citizens who may in any way and for whatever reason be in possession of illegal firearms to submit the weapons to our authorities under the cover of the amnesty for illegal possession of firearms. An illegal gun makes you less safe, not more safe. The Nairobi Declaration on Small Arms is a legally binding instrument whose aim was to encourage collaboration against corruption linked to illicit manufacturing, trafficking, as well as illicit possession and use of small arms and light weapons. However, early last year, Kenya launched a gun manufacturing company in what the president described as the beginning of the country's plans to become a significant weapons manufacturer. Kenya has invested 37 million U.S. dollars in the manufacturing company for small arms, saying that sourcing from foreign market is expensive, though analysts are concerned the move could increase conflict in East Africa and the Horn. Reporting for VOS Daybreak Africa, I am Maureen Ujembo in Sacramento, California. Uganda speak of parliament has died. Jacob Olanya died on Sunday in Seattle, Washington, in the United States, where he has been in intensive care. Uganda's President Yoweri Museveni, who announced Olanya's death in a tweet, described him as a good carder. Olanya traveled out of the country for specialized treatment on February 4th, although the Speaker's journey and admission outraged a section of Ugandans living in the United States who protested the trip, which they claimed was very expensive. Mr. Olanya was last seen in Uganda's parliament in December 2021. He was an agricultural economist and a lawyer before joining politics in 2001. He was 57 years old. The World Health Organization says Africa's COVID-19 vaccine use rose by 15% between January and February as several countries embarked on mass vaccination drives to expand coverage and protect populations from the pandemic. Zimbabwe's government says it's embarking on a national vaccination blizz targeting those who have not yet been vaccinated in a country where resistance to the shot has been an issue since the program started last year. Columbus Mavunga reports from Harare where the government is concerned by rising COVID-19 cases, but independent doctors say to calm down. Dr. Mashidiso Moyeti, WHO Regional Director for Africa, said in a statement that the increase in COVID-19 vaccination on the continent was driven mainly by campaigns in populous countries such as the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Ethiopia, Kenya and Nigeria. Dr. Theono Baude is the WHO Africa Regional COVID-19 Incident Manager. He says the continent must remain vigilant. 
We are seeing what is happening currently in China and uh, the risk of having also new uh, mutations and new variants is quite uh, uh, still possible. So we do really need to continue, I mean, to uh, safeguard our population, you know, by really taking the vaccine and also by not uh, relaxing totally. The situation might change. And so we really need to continue adopting some of these uh, public health and social measures and also to get the vaccination. The World Health Organization said to boost African COVID-19 vaccination acceptance, WHO and other organizations were supporting mass vaccination drives in at least 10 priority countries to reach 100 million people by the end of next month. Ngobizita Mangalison Lovu, Zimbabwe's acting information minister said his country would not be left behind. Regarding the national vaccination program, as at 15 March 2022, a total of 159,628 third doses have been administered to date. The national vaccination blitz campaign will kick off on Monday 21 March 2022, and government is urging those that have not yet been vaccinated to take advantage of this exercise to do so. A number of Zimbabweans have refused the vaccination, saying they do not trust the mainly donated Chinese-made Sinopharm and Sinovac vaccines. The country has lately recorded a rise in new infections, now cumulatively at 244,012, with 5,400 and 18 deaths, according to the Johns Hopkins University, which is tracking the global outbreak. Dr. Klopas Chimbetete, president of Zimbabwe College of Public Health Physicians, attributed that to the recent lifting of restrictive measures such as lockdowns. He says, however, it is not time to panic, but just to enforce WHO protocols such as masking up and social distancing. After relaxing measures, it is expected that cases will slightly go up, but I also think that it's too early to make any meaningful conclusions. I think it's just an opportunity for us to continue to strengthen our prevention measures and continue to highlight to the rest of the population that COVID is still with us. The good news, though, is that the severe cases have not gone up. What we need to do is just to continue to get vaccinated. And what's important is the government should, as it is doing, continue to monitor these numbers. There's no cause for alarm or cause for us to to introduce new measures. Zimbabwe had a target of vaccinating at least 10 million people by the end of last year, a figure that some say was difficult to reach given the scarcity of resources and hesitance. It is yet to announce when it plans to achieve herd immunity. Columbus Mavungam for VOA News, Harare, Zimbabwe. Malawi Sunday launched a polyvaccination campaign after the country in February confirmed its first case 30 years after it eradicated the disease. UNICEF, the World Health Organization, and other partners of the Global Polio Eradication Initiative are leading the campaign, which targets over 20 million children in Malawi, Zambia, Mozambique, and Tanzania by July. Lameka Masina reports from Blantyre. The vaccine rollout comes after it was confirmed last month that a three-year-old girl was paralyzed by wild polio virus in Malawi's capital, Lilongwe. 
until February. Malawi had last reported a polio case in 1992. The southern African country was declared polio-free in 2005, 15 years before the whole continent achieved the same status. UNICEF says over 9 million children are to be vaccinated in the first round of the mass campaign in Tanzania, Zambia, Mozambique and Malawi. UNICEF said mass immunization will also target children previously vaccinated. Rudolf Shivenk is UNICEF's representative in Malawi. He spoke with VOA via a messaging app. We need to vaccinate also children who had been vaccinated before because it takes multiple doses of the polio vaccine to get the full immunization status against polio. And every additional dose helps children get extra protection. Shivenk says if some children are not immunized during the campaign starting Monday, the risk of polio will remain not only in Malawi but in neighboring countries as well. So far, UNICEF has procured over 36 million doses of polio vaccine for the first two rounds of the immunizations of children in Malawi, Mozambique, Tanzania and Zambia. In Malawi, the UN Children's Agency is set to administer 6.8 million doses of the polio vaccine to be used in the first two rounds of vaccination in March and April, targeting 2.9 million children. Three more rounds of vaccination will follow in the coming months, covering a total of more than 20 million children from the targeted four African countries. However, in Malawi, some health experts fear the immunization campaign would meet with vaccine resistance, as has been the case with COVID-19 vaccine in Malawi. But UNICEF says efforts were made already to increase acceptance and demand for the polio vaccine among parents and communities. So we have worked with, with faith leaders, with high-level government officials. We have spoken to community leaders and with our partners, we have done sensitization discussions to help them understand the importance of vaccinating their children. He also says they have distributed information, education and communication materials across Malawi and aired radio messages about the advantages of the polio vaccine. Dr. Mike Chisema is the manager for the expanded program on immunization in the Ministry of Health in Malawi. He told journalists Thursday that the government was ready for the polio vaccination campaign despite shortage of healthcare workers. The uh, issue of human resource remains a challenge. Um, it's not just about this particular program of uh, outbreak response alone. Uh, but most importantly, not is we have the teams that are available, our health surveillance assistants, who does this work all the time. It's a question of maybe adding the numbers over time, but we will work to manage uh, with the available human resource on the ground. In a statement released Sunday, UNICEF said in a partnership with the World Health Organization, they have trained healthcare workers in all countries where they are administering the polio vaccine. In Malawi, they have trained 13,500 health workers and volunteers, 34 district health promotion officers. While in Tanzania, Mozambique and Zambia, they have trained a combined total of about 3,000 healthcare workers. Lamek Masina for VOA News, Blanta, Malawi. Cameroon says several hundred separatists fighting to create an English-speaking state in the majority French-speaking country have fled military raids to the Nigerian border. Military officials last week visited western villages and asked residents to report suspected separatists and armed men harassing merchants and cattle ranchers. 
Moki Edwin Kinzika reports from Yaounde. Cameroon says calm is gradually returning to several towns in its English-speaking western regions after the military launched raids on separatist strongholds during the past month. The military says government troops carried out operations in many western towns and villages, including Kumbo, Ndop, Wum, Bafut, and Kom. The military says at least 20 separatist fighters were killed, but no government troops were wounded. General Valenka is the commander of Cameroonian troops fighting separatists in the English-speaking northwest region. Nkar says several hundred fighters escaped to villages along Cameroon's western border with Nigeria. He says government troops have been deployed to stop fighters from stealing goods and money from merchants and cattle from ranchers in border localities. The President of the Republic, President Paul Bia, Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces, has sent the Defense and Security Forces to protect you, not to kill you. We need your total collaboration to better secure you. Nkar spoke during a visit to several border villages this week, including Fungom, Bafmen, Aba, and Bayama. His message was broadcast on Cameroon State Radio CRTV several times this week. The military did not say how many troops have been deployed or how long the troops are expected to stay along the border with Nigeria. Nelson Bue is spokesperson of the Aba Village Development Committee on the border with Nigeria. He says a military post is needed in the village to protect civilians from separatist fighters. He says hundreds of the fighters are hiding in the bush along the border, especially in Fungam district. Our children are facing harassment. Lower Fungam has no security post. The people they are exposed to insecurities. We plead to the general to create military units because we believe that if there is that military unit, it will beef up security of the subdivision. Bue said the separatists have seized at least 90 cows from ranchers within three weeks. He said fighters have abducted for ransom at least 13 civilians, especially merchants doing business between Cameroon and Nigeria. On social media platforms including Facebook and WhatsApp, the separatists have denied the loss of 20 fighters. The separatists say their presence in border localities is a tactical withdrawal to prepare and face government troops. The fighters deny they are harassing civilians as the government claims and insist that they are out to protect English speakers from Cameroon military brutality. Cameroon's military has always denied it abuses civilians' rights. Separatists have been fighting since 2017 to carve out an independent English-speaking state in majority French-speaking Cameroon. The crisis started when English-speaking teachers and lawyers protested the dominance of French in official government business and education. The government responded with a crackdown and separatists took up weapons. The United Nations says at least 3,300 people have been killed with 750,000 internally displaced. Moki Edwin Kinzaka for VOA News. Yawundi, Cameroon.
The Malian army and armed Islamist groups allegedly killed at least 107 civilians in central and southwestern Mali uh, since December 2021, and most of the victims, including religious leaders and children, were summarily executed. That's according to a report out last week by Human Rights Watch. Human Rights Watch Sahel Director Corinne Dafka tells VOA's Carl Van Damme the crimes committed against civilians include apparent war crimes. We documented a very, very worrying spike in alleged killings, including, in fact, most of them being summary executions. They involved both the armed Islamist groups as well as the army who allegedly killed these people in the context of counterterrorism operations. You say in the report that the victims include traders, village chiefs, religious leaders, even children? Yes, we documented eight incidents of alleged summary executions and killings. Two of them involved the armed Islamist groups, including a worrying incident when they opened fire on a bus, killing 32 civilians on their way to market. And then six incidents involving the army uh, during counterterrorism operations. Um, and now, a few of these appear to be reprisal attacks. That is that they went after communities after soldiers were killed near these communities, apparently blaming them for the IED explosion which killed their soldiers. In another case, and this is the the worst allegation involving the army that we have documented uh, in the last decade, they took out uh, 35 men, suspects who'd been detained in the Diabali army camp and then executed them about 11 miles away. If you could just back up a little bit and tell us what's going on in Mali. Why is there this spike in deadly violence there? Well, Mali has encountered an overlapping crisis, both security, humanitarian, and political since uh, 2012, when northern Mali fell to separatist uh, rebels, Tuareg separatist rebels, and, and armed Islamists. Since that time, the armed Islamists have expanded their reach into central Mali, then Burkina Faso, and are now threatening other littoral West African countries. In response, then, the Malian army has engaged in counterterrorism operations, and many of these incidents have occurred within the context of uh, these, at times, abusive counterterrorism operations. That was Corinne Davka, Sahel Director at Human Rights Watch. She was speaking to Carl Van Damme in Washington on Tuesday. And now it's time for Daybreak Africa Sports. And for that, we go to Abuja with Samson Omali. Good morning, Samson. Good Monday morning to you too, Douglas. We begin the sports with the roster of the quarterfinalists in the CAF Champions League. Seven of the eight quarterfinal berths in the CAF Champions League have been accounted for after Saturday, 19th March, so March Day 5, wrap up with five fixtures across the African continent. Thus far, Memelodi Sundowns of South Africa, Raja Casablanca of Morocco, ES Sativ, Osprons Dutini, CL Bozidat, Petro du Luanda and Wada Casablanca have secured progression into the final eight of the Premier CAF competition. Group A is the only section where a quarterfinal berth remains up for grabs as Al-Hakli and Al-Hilal, who will meet in Cairo in early April, compete to finish second behind Mamelodi Sundowns. 
And now to cricket news. Equipment to cock firestorm on a five-wicket hole for player of the match, Kagiso Rabada, set the South African national cricket team, the Proteus, up for an easy seven-wicket win with 12.4 overs to spare over Bangladesh in the second one-day international at the Impera Wanderers in Johannesburg on Sunday. The result levels the series 1-1, setting up the decider in Centurion on Wednesday. The win also gives South Africa much-needed points in their bid to move into the top eight of the ICC's ODI Super League, which ensures automatic qualification for the next World Cup. South Africa's captain, Temba Bavuma, said that he was happy with the team's resilience and the ability to bounce back from an early loss. We'll take the positives from, from today and make sure that we... We put a big focus on them. Look, there's still areas that we'd like to improve on, you know. Um, but yeah, we'll take the confidence and whatever momentum we, we've achieved in this victory. In athletics, Nigerian long jumper Ace Brume won a silver medal at the 2022 World Athletics Indoor Championships. AC picked up the silver medal following her third round efforts of 6.85 meters. Ivana Veleta won gold at the event after hitting 7.06 meters. And that's it on Daybreak Africa Sports. I am Samson Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. It's back to you, Douglas, in Washington. Thanks, Samson. And that is it for this edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for spending this morning with us. I'm Douglas Simpoga in Washington, wishing you a great...